podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tottenham Hotspur stretched their unbeaten run in the league to 14 games of a truly gritty performance to grind out their three points away to Stoke. As Spurs show that ability again of being able to win ugly. As we have the last word on Spurs. And to follow all the way! Welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. As you should know by now, you can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this edition of The Last Word on Spurs, we'll be looking back at the 2-1 win away to Stoke on Saturday. We'll be taking a host of questions in the next hour and finally building up to the big, big one at the weekend. Manchester City to come at Wembley. So let me introduce the guys talking us through the next hour. Back as always on the show with me, I've got Jason McGovern. Joining Jason tonight, a returning guest in Dan from Yidvids, the great YouTube channel. And finally, last but certainly not least, we've got a debutant joining us on the show tonight. We've got John on the show that proudly runs the Lily White Rose Twitter account. Enjoy the show. Well, guys, let's get straight into the weekend's action then. So, Jace, let me come round to you to start then. I've got to say, Jace, from my perspective, this Stoke win, I mean, it's becoming enjoyable watching Spurs playing such free-flowing football under Pochettino. But again, Jace, that ability there, as I said in the title, to really grind out and dig out these ugly games with a win. And important, Jace, is that three points for us at the weekend. Well, the first thing I always get the impression of Stoke is everyone keeps saying, "Oh, it's such a you know, it's a tough place to go." But that's what seven seven wins in nine years up there. So I don't quite know why everyone calls it a tough place to go. But but yeah, it was was a, an ugly win. But I, I really enjoy winning a game like that. Sometimes you know, we've got as you say, we got used to the stylish football. But under certainly in the last three years under Pochettino, we've shown that that we can win ugly and, and it's a quality that Tottenham lacks for, for so many years and it's it's a quality that other clubs get given you know credit for people always say it's a sign of a good time that you, a, a sign of a good side that you don't have to play well and you can still win and everyone else gets praised for it yet when Tottenham do it, it it always seems to be tagged as well I was a bit lucky to get a win there but I thought uh, as ugly as it was I thought on clear cut chances we probably just about deserved the, the win anyway and um you know, Ericsson stole the headlines, but just a just a really good three points, mate. That's job done. Was indeed. Dan, coming over to you now. I mean, that is. I mean, we're just as the stats say now, three wins away from guaranteeing Champions League football in our brand new stadium for the third consecutive season in a row. I mean, what an achievement that would be, Dan, wouldn't it overall? Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in a way, if we finish fourth this year, well, we should finish fourth this year. It would even be a better achievement than what we did last year. Mm. I think, especially uh, having to deal with Wembley at the start. Um, and think how think how bad much bad form we were in probably what start of December. I mean, it all looked pretty bleak by then, didn't it? But mm. the turnaround since then, since that Man City defeat, has been incredible, really. Yeah, it has been. It really, really has been. John, can I ask you a question? We've got a question from Zoe Pearson. who says, "Does winning ugly show our progression as a collective? Surely Spurs of old would have lost or drawn that game at the weekend after such a momentous oh. result against Chelsea." Oh, 100%. I mean, if you look back even to when we beat Inter Milan in the Champions League at White Hart Lane, we immediately went over to Blackpool and lost 3-1. Um, yeah. And that's what was happening for the last sort of, 15, 20 years. Um, but this turnaround under Pochettino, that yes, we can win ugly and get the job done, it's a testament to the players and the training and, and his guidance. Very true. Zoe also asked the question, John, is it too early to discuss potential player of the season contenders? I had to put you on the spot, John, from what you've seen so far in this Tottenham squad. 
who would be your standout player so far? Jan Vertonghen, hands down. Easy choice for me. Mm. With everything that's going on with Toby, he's really stood up to the plate. And he's also guided young Davidson Sanchez through in his debut season. He's also had an incredible season, in my opinion. Yeah. Listen, John, I totally agree with you, John. Very quickly on this, let's get the panel's vote. Jace, who would you say at the moment has been your standout? Would you go along with John and say Jan as well? I'd, I'd say exactly the same as John, word for word. Dan, is that the same answer you'd give Jan Vertonghen? He's arguably been my standout player and Jason's. What do you think? Well, do you know who I feel sorry for? Every year, right, it comes across, oh, who's in the player this season? Who's in the player this season? No one ever says Harry Kane, even though he scores <laughs> 25 goals plus every year. No one ever says him. But I'm going to completely stick with that and say, yeah, Jan, Jan Vertonghen's been the best player of the year. Yeah. Sorry, Harry. Been formidable, hasn't he, Jan Vertonghen? We are going to come on to him shortly during the rest of this Stoke analysis. But let's go back to the team news at the weekend. So Pochettino rotated the fullbacks with Orion Rose coming in for Davis and Trippier. Kane come back in for Lamella, which was his first start since recovering from that ankle ligament damage. With Wanyama also starting in place of Dyer. And again, no Alderweireld in the Spurs squad. Jason, let me ask you, when you saw that team, the news itself, was there anything that surprised you there? I was a little bit surprised to see um, Victor Wanyama in there. I, I don't think we're ever surprised when the, the fullbacks get rotated. But yeah, a little bit surprised Wanyama came in. But I suppose with the with the two Manchester games on the horizon and with that bright one sandwiched in between, it was just an important thing for him to get try and get you know another ninety minutes into the legs of of other players that have been in and around the edge of the squad. So and I suppose as well, Stoke City away, they're a side. I mean, no easy game as such, but they are a side that was in the bottom three, and and it seems like that's the opportunity to to change a few players around. So, I think that the telling thing was that his reason after the game when he said, you know, players around the squad that have been training hard and behaving well deserve a game, and yet, yet some uh, a certain player was was left completely out of the match day squad, and it was almost as if Pochettino was putting it out there that. Um, that there's there's your reasons why he's not being picked. Let me ask you, Dan. You've been from your end. You've been very strong on Twitter in terms of your thoughts. Like Jason says, there there seems to be that kind of you know emphasis now that he's picking players based on the fact that you know it's about who's going to perform on the pitch. There's no doubt about it. It'd be very very hard to drop the likes of Sanchez and Vertonghen, who've been formidable recently. Played so well against Chelsea. What's your thoughts overall, Dan, on Alderweireld? For those that don't always have the chance to look at your Twitter account, who may not obviously follow you. Well, simple line is, if, he, if he's going at the end of the year, which is pretty likely by the sounds of things, then, yeah, sorry, your, your third choice, Sanchez and Vertonghen, till next year, really. Because how, how Sanchez, how do you reckon Sanchez would feel if we of brought course. Toby in, mm. you know? And then next year, we put Sanchez back in and say, all right, yeah, well, you, you're fine now because Toby's gone. Then what's that do for his confidence? And Sanchez has been great. To be honest, Sanchez and Vertonghen have done really, really well. Um, the one thing about um, Alderaud not being on the bench is that, we need a centre-back um, to bring on just in case one of them gets injured. But Dyer is that player. And I think a lot of people have been flipping out saying he's not on the bench. Oh, why is he not getting in the squad, etc, etc. But if you looked at our bench the other day, minus Suzuko, depending on what you think of him, it was actually really, really strong. And, and why would you need Dyer and Alderweireld on the bench? So I think whether it's intentional or not, um, leaving him out of the squad is actually probably sending quite a good message to the rest of the group. And not that I want to punish Alderweireld for wanting to leave because it's probably... You know, he's looking for that big deal, whatever, good luck to him. But it's it's actually quite a nice side effect. I don't know what you guys think. Does it surprise you, though, Dan, on that point, that Danny no. Rose, bearing in mind his comments in the summer, is getting in this not, team? Not, not really, because I think I think Danny Rose, or well, Danny Rose is in the team, but um, a left-back and a right-back, they're, they're sort of very specialist positions. We haven't really got many people to sort of fill in there. So you probably need a left-back and a right-back on the bench, I think. Um, but you, like I say, you don't need a centre-back. You don't need a third centre-back, not with Eric Dyer, basically. That's that's my point. Yeah, Dyer does give that variety, doesn't he? As much as he seems exactly, to polarise yeah. opinion as well. Let me come round to you, John, and ask you, has it surprised you, from your perspective, the fact that Alderweireld isn't now getting to the point where he's in the squad, let alone in the team? <laughs> no, not at all, actually. And as Dan said, with, with Dyer on the bench, I, I feel like Poch trusts Dyer and can rely on Dyer as a, a member of the squad that everybody gets on with and there's no issues with him. Um, and... Uh, I believe, you know, if, if it's true that, that Toby's been offered £130,000, which would make him our highest paid player ever, and he's turned that down and said, I want 180, then I think Poch is within his rights to carry on as we are. We're getting the results on the pitch, so why make the change? It's a fair point, but wh- where do you stand overall on, on the situation? Do you think, John, I mean, I've said it before, how can you change the team as it is at the moment? Surely, yeah. it'd be insanity, wouldn't it? As much as, obviously, Belgium wanting to play games, which you can expect, how can you change a winning team the way we're playing at the moment, the way we're grinding out these results, game after game? 
yeah, Toby is an exceptional defender, but I wouldn't take him out at the moment. I wouldn't take him out to, to take out a Sanchez because I think Sanchez is 21. He's gaining valuable experience and he's only going to get better and better. If, if Alderweire doesn't want to play for us anymore, then that's his loss. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. I think that's all we need to say really on Toby at the moment. Let me bring it back around here, Jason, and just say to you, I mean, from my perspective, if you look at that team who's going back to it, you still have to say from my end, it was excellent man management from Pochettino. Despite destroying the Chelsea side the week before, it gives a big opportunity to other members of the squad to make an impact. You know, you've got the likes of Rose starting, of Aurea and Wanyama. And just there was a time you would maybe argue that those three guys, you know, Aurea coming in, you'd think he would have been an automatic starter. Rose as well on the back of last season, when you look at him being the best left-back in the league, and Wanyama as well. None of these, Jace, anymore are automatic starters, are they? No, that, that shows the, the depth of squad that we have. And um, I thought Danny Rose, in fairness to him, probably had one of his better games since he has come back. Maybe the the, the non-stop ridiculous booing that he was taking for, <laughs> oh, for Ryan Shawcross being sent off four years ago for quite rightly being sent off four years ago and Danny Rose on the day had the temerity to score a winning goal. I mean, you know, what, what, it's a huge chip on the shoulder to go to that degree, isn't it? But um, no, he, he came in, justified his place on the day and, and Aurier, I think there's, there's always that little bit of uh, head in hands moment with Aurier, but it, it, this, you're always, you're never quite sure what he's going to do, are you, Aurier? But I mean, on the day was solid enough, probably didn't quite had a couple of chances to deliver the ball in, but but we know his delivery isn't the best. But, you know, as I say, having not played the previous couple of games, it's that, that opportunity. And I think maybe there is one eye on, on the Manchester games in the way that, that we know how much pace that they have, that he wanted to get those two players 90 minutes of, of football into their legs before that Manchester City game. Yeah, let me ask you, Dan, question here from Prince KSR. He says, isn't it time Pochettino sticks with a regular back four? I believe it kind of breeds the inconsistency and that's exactly the opposite we need when trying to finish a season strong. Is that how you see it, Dan? I mean, from my end, I think all players need games to feel integral in this squad. Um, I think as long as you've got the, the, the centre-backs and the goalkeeper the same, I think I think he, he can afford to rotate the full-backs quite, quite easily. I mean, especially when we're playing two games a week. I know because he, well, last year, especially with Walker and Rose, he used to love the full-backs absolutely given their all for 90 minutes and that sounds stupid because everyone gives their all but mm. really getting up and down that wing and, and, and our system is based so much on fullbacks in fact it's not so much this year but last year especially was based so much on fullbacks that you need to rotate them in and out and, and they sort of did you, you did sort of feel like they were sort of the two fullbacks were working as a bit of a team yeah I agree um, on that but, but yeah I mean as long, like I said as long as the, the back the centre backs are, are the same which I think is really important um, I think you can get away with rotating the fullbacks yeah, I agree on that one. Let me ask you, John, coming round to you. I mean, you look at our bench last season, there was that argument that Spurs didn't have much to bring off it. And you look at the bench at the weekend, you had Lamella and Moore on there, two players for me that, you know, in their own ways, they can be game changers. I mean, it's not a long time ago, John, like I said, you scratch your head and think, where's their creativity going to come from our bench? And there's two players there that do give us that offering, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, this is the strongest bench I've ever known in my time supporting Spurs mm. and in, and squad as a whole. I mean, you talk about last season, we had times when it was beginning before January anyway, we had Onoma, Carroll and then Kudu on the bench. Now, there are no players Poch particularly trusted, um, but that's all we had, which we've developed in the squad uh, and moving forward, it's allowed us to compete in many competitions this season. Yeah, that's fair enough, isn't it? I mean, do you reckon the squad at the moment, John, the way you see it, it, it like you said, it's so, so strong. You, I know obviously you focus heavily in terms of, I you know you go to see a lot of youth academy games at Spurs. Can you see anyone breaking in towards the end, beginning of next season, end of this season? Uh, uh, this is the issue. It's got harder for younger players mm. to, to break in. As, as Poch alluded to, he said when he, you know, when he got the job, it was easier to give players a chance. But, but now we've got such strength in depth that people like Maura can't get a game. Yeah. So how can you say someone like Kenan Bennett, who's scoring regularly for the 23s, how's mm. he going to get a look in in front of a Brazil international? It's funny you say uh, that, it's, it's though, isn't it, John? Time. It's funny you say that, John, because even players like Wanyama, who was a starter last season, like we've said on this yep. show already tonight, Rose and him, you know, they're finding it hard to get in the, team, in the first team at the moment. Yeah, and, and, and that, they're the problems that any top club would have, and we've established ourselves in that position, um, and that's just something we're going to have to deal with by giving people games here and where we can. Yeah, we are going to have to indeed. Well, Jason, let me bring it back round to you. Then, what did you make the start of that game against Stoke? Because, like you said, the booing for Danny Rose for what seemed absolutely no reason—it's going back to four years ago. You had Shawcross crunching Ali within the first few minutes of that game. Is that just a small reminder, Jason, why some of us would be happy to see this club go down? <laughs> it's just Stoke, isn't it? Oh, it's just... <laughs> and, and despite despite Horrible Tony Pulis leaving, well, 
I mean, when did Tony Poulis leave there now? Is it three, four seasons ago or something like that? But they've they've still always had that, haven't they? They're still Ryan Shawcross there. It is, and they they still have you know pretty much. Well, I suppose Glenn Johnson is a is a left as a is a genuine defender. But I mean, um, you know, they've they've still tended to play with centre halves all all across their back line, and it's just just the Stoke way. They're still as reliant on set pieces as and things like that as they ever were. And yeah, players like Shakiri and that have come in, but. Bojan didn't last too long, did he? Affalay didn't last long, and mm. and Alnatovic has gone, and so really, you know, their creativity's down to just Shakiri, and there's still the the Charlie Adams at Stoke, and okay, he didn't play Saturday, but their, their style of play hasn't changed that much, and I think you just you just know what you're going to get. Their their supporters howl for for the slightest shirt pull, and yet. Yeah, they, they, you know, unless you've, you've got a broken leg on the pitch, they think everything that they do is perfectly fair. I mean, it's, it's a, a crazy place like that, Stoke. But that is Stoke. But as I say, you know, seven wins in nine years up there says that, um, you know, people say, oh, it's a like, tough place to go and Spurs never used to stand up in these games. But but we have done year after year at Stoke and it, it surprises me. But I think that's the sign of, of just what a side we are. If, if teams want to mix it with us, we're perfectly happy for that to happen now. You know, we don't go into our shell and get knocked off our stride in in the way that we used to do. Yeah, and I think the, the key thing you say there, Jace, I think as, that is what has changed under Pochettino. You know, we go away to these venues and there's not a fear anymore. We are able to play two different brands of football. We are able to play that you know, beautiful free-flowing football that defeats opponents because of the kind of wonderful individual talents we have in our squad. And at the same time, we show that collective character to be able to grind out the results away from home. I mean, it really is great to be able to have so many strings to our bow. Let me ask you, Dan, I mean, for absolute no reason, like we said, there were Stoke fans applauding when Rose was kicked right in the chest. The same supporters inside to cheat and hell abuse at Ali, like I say, cheat. They started shouting cheat at him. Can you wear that out? Dan, this is Deli Ali, who clearly had his legs swiped away from him. Well, yeah, do you know what? Cheat. Could you work that out? <laughs> to be honest, do you know what? When I see the opposition crowd having a go at Ali, I think, oh, good, he's gonna he's gonna put a performance in yeah. now because I think the more you boo him, the more you give him grief, the better he plays. Um, it, I, I saw around. I think it was it was it Vardy who scored a couple of weeks ago, and he, he ran across to the West Brom fans. Or I think it, that lovely little volley that he scored. Yes. I don't know if you remember. On the back of Morris's one, yeah, yeah, and he was picking players, people out in the crowd, going, "Oh, fuck off, whatever." <laughs> yeah, and and I was thinking him and Deli Ali like together, which is <laughs> the biggest trolls in football. Oh, but it, it, it just it just works. It works for him, and I, I mean he's going to get bad treatment, and he did the other day. I think you can kind of understand why people try and target him, but. You know, I think just keep going because it seems to be working for him. Yeah. I thought he played well the other day. He did. And coming around to you, John, I mean, Ali, he does seem to thrive off this, doesn't he? This this hate that he gets from away fans, it's almost like he kind of uses that to spark him into life in games. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Ali is, is a real you know confidence player and, and he loves it. He loves the attention um, and he delivers results. So long may it continue. Yeah, and we're talking about a guy here. I mean, like I say, I think he's got as many assists as any guy in the Premier League apart from Kevin De Bruyne, John. So he's only had a bad season, has he? What's been your thoughts on Ali's season overall so far? This image of him having a bad season is only based upon the high standards he set last year of 18 league goals. Mm. Now, people are used to him this year, but he's still on, I think, eight league goals and uh, 11 assists or 10 assists, uh, including a, you know two goals against Real Madrid as well. So if anything, you, you could argue actually he cemented himself as a top-level Premier League player. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with that. I mean, from your end, you know, any doubts at all? There's this silly stuff out there, John, about World Cups. But surely that can't be under threat, can it? This guy that, you know, he took Chelsea apart a week before. Yeah, there's absolutely no chance of that. I mean, Lingard has come on leaps and bounds this year, who would be competing in a similar position as him. But, you know, Southgate likes to link up with Kane and Ali, and that's what he'll use for England. I've got no doubt about it. Yeah, and for the first goal, Jace, it was again excellent work from Ali to create that goal for Ericsson. He'll been firing home for the second consecutive game on the trot. His third goal in his last four appearances for Spurs. How much, Jace, has Ericsson really stepped up for Spurs? I mean, I say stepped up. He's been one of the most consistent players all season, hasn't he, Jace? Yeah, he has. I think there was just a, a little dip in form, wasn't there, when around the time when Denmark qualified for the World Cup and he got that, that hat-trick in Ireland and he, he had a three or four weeks where he wasn't quite at his very best, although he was still influential in games, but but wasn't running them all. But, I mean, I think you said it last week, he scored against Madrid, he scored mm. against City, he's scored against he scored Chelsea. against the big sides, hasn't yeah. he, this year? Chelsea, yeah. you know, he stood up when we need it. And he's, he's a bit like last year, once, uh, once we seem to get to December, he really clicks into 
gear and his, his running games. And the first goal was, was fantastic. It was a brilliant ball from Dembele to set Ali away. And then, then you really saw the, the difference in quality between the two sides. Ali had all that composure, didn't didn't rush a ball into Kane, just waited and waited and waited for the for the time to pass it. And yet when Stoke had a similar opportunity towards the end of the game with Duf and he had what four against one, he completely you know, just couldn't handle the situation, could he? And and that's the difference between the top end of the Premier League when you have that that quality and the composure and things like that against the the bottom end of the league and no, no, no nothing could be a clearer example of it than those two incidents agree well quack revolution says do you think ericsson's been the player of our season so far i mean we've asked, asked that one from all of our ends i think we've all kind of adamantly said yeah but tongan but again i don't think there'd be any kind of you know hate at all if ericsson did end up also scooping it because he's had a brilliant season for top i don't think it's mm. you know if, i don't think the fact we've all gone for the tongan should be seen as a, no, no. as yeah. a as a snub at ericsson in any way so. i think no. the tongan's had what 32 outstanding, you know, excellent Premier League games, and Ericsson's probably had 26, 27 yeah. out of the 32, and that, that's the only slight difference. But, but I think, with, you know, everyone would say Ericsson's had a, a, another excellent season himself. If there's a runner-up to player this season, I think it's probably him, to be honest. Yeah, and that's amazing, yeah. isn't it, Dan? Because the season Brilliant. before, he was getting so much kind of, I wouldn't say critics but there was a period where people were saying he doesn't show up in all the games but there can't be that argument labeled out in this season Dan is there there's definitely well, an improvement there well think of his position as well like those that, that number 10 sort of you know, a bit deeper than number 10 like eight and a half whatever you call it he it was something you can sometimes in those games if you have a bad game it looks really obvious as well you can give the ball away a lot you can sort of mess up lose the ball you know everything he does is he's he's trying to break through a team when there's a lot of players I mean um, like Jordan Henderson, for example, and even Eric Dyer, which their job is to just pass it left and right. So they can sort of get away with not being quite on the ball where he, everything goes through Ericsson, doesn't it? So It does. It does. Yeah. Like I said, it's adamant in those stats involved in six goals in his last four appearances for Tottenham. That's four goals and two assists. Scored with each of his last four attempts on target in the Premier League as well. He is, at the moment, our deadly Dane finisher. Let me bring it round to another subject. This one is going to, I think, be an interesting one on the panel, and that's Hugo Lloris. John, I'm going to give the um, the start to you tonight on this debate. There's been, obviously, recently, John, we've had the game against Chelsea where he was at fault for, the, obviously, the opening goal. Again, at the weekend, John, there's going to be heavy criticism of Hugo Lloris for coming out in the manner he did and failing to get a clear contact on the ball, which then, in, in the end, inadvertently hit you and went in. Do you see this, John, from your end, as a massive issue about Hugo at the moment, these errors we're seeing in the last couple of games? I've got to be honest with you, Rick, I really don't. I think Hugo Lloris is a, an absolute elite level top goalkeeper and has been for 10, 15 years. You know, mm. He made his 200th appearance for us on, on Saturday, which only a limited number of players have done. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper and the number of times he saves us to make example of one or two, OK, it was two mistakes in two weeks, but before that, when was the last one? You know, All right, his distribution isn't great. But everything else in his game is absolutely exemplary and he saves us on multiple occasions and he's our captain and he leads us from the back and he, he's been our captain in our most successful period of recent times. So I, think, I find any criticism difficult to accept. Yeah, you're, you're exactly the same as me, John. I mean, from my perspective, listen, growing up, seeing some of the keepers I did, and I know people say, oh, you shouldn't go back to the 90s, you shouldn't go back to the old times. You have to. Focus on the modern era. But that's what you've got to compare it to, John, isn't it? That, that's the problem. Of course. That as Spurs fans, when you look back at our history, there's not been much modern as we are on this show. And Jason as well, will, I'm sure, will also agree that there's no doubt in Lloris has been, hands down, the best keeper we've had in the Premier League era and even within that last decade. However, I've got to say, having said that, that does not make him exempt as well from criticism when he does make these errors. I mean, Jace, I asked the same question to you last week, that it's becoming on a more often basis that we are seeing these. How do you think, Jace, I asked the same question to you last week, and I'll ask you it again and see if you've got a different answer. How do you think we can look to eradicate it from his game? Does it come from the goalkeeping coach, or is it just down to purely bad luck at the weekend? I think it's just down to his, his current form, Rick. He's, he's not quite at his very best. And, you know, he's, he, when you make back-to-back -back mistakes, it always seems worse than it is two games in a row. But, um, you know, Hugo Lloris has been with us, what, five years? And the first two years of that, we were a shambles defensively. Yeah, you have to remember that. I think, he, mm. I think we were letting in, what, 60 goals, or 50, high 50s, low 60 goals a season. And yet he was, he was a fantastic goalkeeper then. But yeah. but time and time, I mean, he was in goal for so many of those heavy fours and five defeats, yeah. wasn't he? And what did he do? Did he did he just dump Tottenham because we weren't good enough for him? No, he, he signed a new contract. He bought into the Pochettino era, and he yeah. stood by us when it was so easy for him to quit and, and go run into a better club when he was being linked to 
Man United's if De Gea had left, and, and there, I don't think we'd have ever had a problem selling Hugo Lloris. So, you know, he stuck by us through two years of tough times. I think it's it's only right we stick by him through Agree. through a few weeks of a, a bad time. Without a doubt, he's he's probably having his most inconsistent season probably since the start that he he's had. But, but by no means does that mean he's he's reached liability stage or we're in we're in a massive panic and let's be fair about it he's still the best goalkeeper at the club so yeah. you know I, I think Lee <laughs> poor old Lee put out a tweet didn't he talking about the semi-final and I, I, I just thought you know let, let's get through Manchester City next week he could have an absolutely fantastic game against Manchester City and, and then we go to Brighton he could have another terrific game down there and the whole the whole conversation just disappears straight away, doesn't it? But yeah. obviously, if he continues to make mistakes, yes, it's a worry and, and something we need to be aware of and, and have one eye on the future. But there's no major panic to me about Hugo Lloris. No, not at all. Dan, the cynics will say Lloris has made now five defensive errors leading to Premier League goals this season. But it's quite funny to... I mean, I completely agree with everything both you said, but... It's funny to say that he's going for a bad patch when I think we've only conceded seven goals since, well, that, yeah, uh, since that like is, December, which yeah. is just crazy. Um, yeah, there was a, there's a lot of people whose uh, opinion I, I really rate most of the time, but they were saying we should start planning for the future. He's sort of on a downward trend and that sort of thing. So I said, so I said, so, you know, some, tweet me someone who you think we could attract who's better than him. And I mean, I had people saying Pickford and Butland, which you know, respectfully, is, is a bit of a joke, I think. Um, but a lot of people would, would, would send me names like Allison and. Yeah, all these sort of hardly sort of proven, though, are they, Dan? They exactly, you exactly. at a European level when it looks exactly. like at the moment, not to put knockers on it, Spurs will be in the Champions League for a third successive season. I mean, if you're going to replace Hugo, which I don't think we are, I think Hugo is a top-class keeper. He's going for a difficult run. Then, Dan, again, you're 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 really kind of eliminating yourself to a very small selection of players that are going to cost a lot of money. These goalkeepers. Exactly, and and also well, one other thing is is I, I I kind of find it hard to for people to judge goalkeepers because unless you watch a, a team every week, you can't actually give uh, get an, like a hugely great opinion on some keepers because if you just watch a match today every week, you're not going all you're going to see are the gaffes and the saves. It's difficult to get an actual general opinion. So I mean, I think he has made a couple of high profile ones, but I'm sure every keeper this year has made two or three gaffes that probably just don't get picked up on as much as maybe we have through Hugo de Vries. Yeah, well, I've got to say, even uh, got to even guess. David De Gea made one, didn't he, at the weekend? Oh yeah, yeah. took a goal yeah. kick straight out that, that finished in the back of their net. So you're didn't... right, you know, they've all made one this year. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Butland threw one in his own net a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Against <laughs> Leicester or someone? Well, he so... got criticism, didn't he, for yeah. for the free kick we scored from himself, Butland? Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it's difficult. not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. Well, can I just say, Yossel, Hotspur, talk, Sam, James Lomas, Minty Bloke, James Lomas. Pelly, Ali, thank you so much for all your questions on Hugo. I hope that's kind of summed them all up for you. We had so many questions in on Lloris this week, and rightly so, because any time a player has a good or bad performance, we try our best to analyse it, and I hope that's what we've done with Hugo. Uh, let's finish up by just asking that question, and for the semi-final, let's go round the table. John, for you, do you stick with Vaughan, who's been the previous keeper in the FA Cup, or do you go with Lloris for Man United? What would you do as we draw closer to we that go. one? We go with Lloris all day. Um, okay. you know, he's our captain, as I said, and... Um, he deserves to play in that. He's stuck with us through thick and thin. It's a big game. We need to win it. Yep. We're going with Hugo. Do you think, John, let me ask you on the back of that one, you say go with Hugo, does that show any disloyalty to Vorm who's got us to where we have been in the cup and he's made some critical saves along the way if I just played devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, who have we played? We've played Newport, Rochdale, uh, AFC Wimbledon. Mm. Um, so, for me, no. OK. Dan, for you, what would you do? Vorm uh, knows what he is and that's, that's a number two. Um, he's a good keeper, but... I'm um, sorry, you play your best team in the semi-final. So, and that, and that, that involves Hugo Lloris. OK, and Jace, finally on you to that one about Lloris for the um, FA Cup. Or Vaughan, what would you do? No, it's, it's Hugo for me. And and for those that say, you know, Vaughan's the person that's got us there, I totally ex- accept that. I think Vaughan's actually done really well whenever he's he coming been, this season. He's been really but, good this season, yeah. But, it's, but for those that use that argument and say we want to see Vaughan, then I presume they want Lorente and, and Moussa Sissoko <laughs> on the side as well. Don't start that off, Don't start that No, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, Moussa Sissoko at the end of the day has, made, has got, what, four assists in the FA Cup this year. And has played very well in it. So, do you say, well, he's played in every round, so he should play in the semi-final as well. That, that's what I mean, mate. 
you know what's quite funny, Jason? I think it's been two or three weeks since Ahsoka's got a mention on the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm chuckling <laughs> at the moment. But no, it's a fair point. Well, you know, Lorente's got a hat-trick in it, hasn't he? So yes. do we leave Gary Kane out because Lorente got a hat-trick in it as well? So the second goal of the game, we're recording on a Monday night where we have just heard the news that Spurs are going to be personally appealing the decision in terms of whether that second goal should hopefully be going to Harry Kane as opposed to Christian Eriksen. Jace, on first viewing, who do you think scored that one? Well, my, my gut was <coughs> gut feeling was Kane because he was the one celebrating it. And I don't get the impression Kane would celebrate if he if he didn't touch the ball and uh, certainly make it look like his own goal. So, And, and he, he, he clearly seemed to turn around and say, it's my goal. So I think he, he may well have got a touch on it. it it may well be minimal touch and it may not have made any difference to the flight of the ball or whatever. But if Kane's claiming it, I, I guess you, you've probably got to accept the fact that it probably is Kane's goal. Mm. I mean, Dan, can I ask you, I'm naturally biased here and just believe anything that comes out of Harry's mouth because it's always gospel. You've got to believe whatever Harry says. <laughs> but Harry's sworn on his daughter's life that that goal was scored by him. It definitely brushed him. Dan, do you think, I think you mentioned it off air to me, do you think maybe yeah. he said this and he's having to now kind of go with it <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I reckon he claimed it for the first three seconds and then went, oh shit, fuck. Oh, and now he's got to go with what it. What am I going to do? It and he's just got, he's following it through. He's, he's going, he's pushing too hard for the goal that I reckon he's, I reckon he's guilty. And are you enjoying, Dan, of course, the salty, the bitter, the angry yeah, Liverpool fans on Twitter tonight? I love it. They, they've got problems, haven't they? They have real bad problems. Just constantly. It's not just. It's just. Honestly, it's like they're more fans of Salah than they are of Kane. Like they just. They, they really want him to get that golden boot. Like it's. It's like almost the best thing that could ever happen to them this season. Mm. Just like you're three 0 up against Man City in the first leg of the Champions League. Just maybe think about that. Just, <laughs> Five minutes rather than Kane. What's crazy, Dad, is they've just. I would just say up to this point now they've just managed to get over the fact that we got a two-two draw. Then, like you said before, off it. I don't think they have. <laughs> Maybe they haven't, but how long is it going to take them to get over this one, Dan? Kane's could... punned it on previous match of the day or something. We could be here for weeks. We could be here for weeks. John, let me come around to you. Do you think, John, we should be appealing this? Should we not let it go? What do you think, John? I- I'm still of the opinion that it was Ericsson's goal. As many times as I've watched it, I just mm. can't see where Kane gets that touch. Yeah. Um, but look, I appreciate he's an an absolute winner. He wants to win that golden boot for the third time in a row. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, if you look, remember last season, two games to go, was it six goals behind Lukaku? Yeah, he, he scored seven. He did, so, yeah. So, I don't doubt him. We've got games coming up against West Brom, Watford, um, Brighton. You know, it, it, I'd say he's still going to do it again. Mm. It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, Kane, after the game, said it was my goal. It flipped off my shoulder and it went in. Ericsson said he celebrated like it was his goal, so I have to take his word for it. I mean, Ericsson, he does seem one of the most laid-back guys ever, Jase, doesn't he? He doesn't seem like a guy that's really going to be adamantly stubborn about it if it was his goal anyway. No, probably not. And I mean, let's, let's be fair about it. Does it really matter? I mean, to us, no, does it, does does it matter? matter? Of course not, no. Most probably it's Tottenham as, as the game. As, exactly. As long as the ball goes in the net, I, I couldn't give a stuff how it goes no, in or not. who got it. But I suppose, you know... I'm surprised Tottenham have made an official thing because presumably Daniel Levy's now got a big bonus payment. Well, <laughs> it's one goal zero <laughs> towards. Well, that's what I was going to ask, Chase. I'm surprised Levy's going to allow that to happen. I think we we know that Harry's Harry's pay packet doubles if he's the gold well, there boot, you go. golden boot owner or whatever. So uh, I'm surprised Daniel Levy's allowed him to do. He may well have, put, have you know put the ditch the email or something and, and withdrawn the appeal and just not told anyone. So does that stop any more things saying Daniel Levy is stingy, Jace? That kind of overrules everything, doesn't it? The fact that he's now <laughs> going to let him pay him out if he does get that goal given to him. Who knows? But, I mean, Jace, what I've got to say is what a beautiful ball it was in from Ericsson. Forget about who scored it, whoever does get it in the end. Delicious ball in the box, wasn't it, Jace? Yeah, it's the perfect delivery, isn't it? And, and actually, we see that goal, in fairness, from other teams. Yeah. We see that goal a lot, don't you, in football now, where that, that perfect delivery that that entices people in there and the goalkeeper doesn't quite know whether to come out for it or stick on his line and, and they're always worried about somebody touching it. And I, I would say we see that goal six, seven times a season in amongst the Premier League or whatever, where it just drifts in at the far post. And, and it is, it's, it's the perfect flight and the perfect area to deliver it to. And it's very, very difficult for a goalkeeper. Yeah. I've got a question about Ericsson, right? How, how, can his, how can his free kick delivery be so good? But his corner delivery be so terrible because he's at Tottenham. That corner quadrant just ruins his. That's my only answer, Dad. I don't know what else I could say there. Would he be a Tottenham player if he was ten out of ten on everything? Is that me being very, um, I don't know, open-minded? 
Yeah, but honestly, you can you can have a free kick that's about mm-hmm. two yards in from the corner flag, like just you know from a foul, yeah. and he just whips the most lovely ball in it. But as soon as there's a corner, he just hits the first man. Do you know what's funny, Dan? Though I think over the years we've never had great corner attackers, have we? I mean, maybe it's just oh, maybe no. it's just me looking back. I always think at Tottenham, we never get past the first man. But then yeah, when you Van speak, Van de was a big, yeah. big like that. But it's just funny, Dan. When you speak to fans of opposing clubs, they all say the same thing: we don't get past the first man. So I don't think it's just Tottenham. I do think that's a, it's also a general thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. I might be wrong, but John, give us some love for Ericsson because he's been pulling the strings of this midfield for all season, hasn't he, John Ericsson? Yeah, he's been superb. You know, I'm, I'm a massive, massive fan of Christian Ericsson. I think he's one of the best players we've ever had in the Premier League. Time, mm. without a doubt. Um, you know, his big games in the Champions League. We talked earlier about his goals he scored. He also scored that quick goal against Man United that will he give did. us confidence for the upcoming FA Cup game. Yeah. Um, I just think over the last couple of years he scored a lot of big goals in big, big games, and he's, he's a world-class player. Yeah. Where would you put him uh, in comparison to? Like, I know they're different players, but like in comparison to like Modric and Van der Vaart. Yeah, it, it, totally different players, as you said. Um, and Modric has obviously gone off at, at 26 or so and gone off and won, you know, Champions Leagues and. And everything else, but but Ericsson scores more goals, so they are they're very different. It tastes more similar to Van der Vaart actually in mm. his later years in terms of the, the numbers he's getting with goals and assists, more mm. than Modric who controlled games. Um, but I mean, I, I just think Ericsson is going to go down as a Tottenham legend. You know, I, re- I really don't. I don't see him moving. I see him staying oh, with us so. as we're progressing. He's such yeah. a Tottenham player, isn't he, Danny? He'd be the kind of player that if he wasn't at Tottenham, you'd say, "God, he's a Tottenham player." The way he plays the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know if you if you're taking it back to 1998, he was, you know, we'd dropped him in with Justin Edinburgh, and that <laughs> he'd probably been there for two years, and then don't do that to the poor kid. Yeah, he's yeah. done that to him. Yeah, pinging him balls to just Justin Edinburgh's head, it just wouldn't. Oh, that would have been terrible. But yeah, he's yeah he's a brilliant he's a brilliant footballer. He's just style and class and. Yeah, I just hope he stays for a long time, really, because he's quite young. And he's, how old is he, 25? Yeah, I mean, that's 25. 25, yeah. it just shows, doesn't it? I mean, at times, Jace, you forget, don't you, the, the the age of this squad. It's still so young, like Lee says every week when he comes on the show. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a young squad, but there's enough experience in that squad now that, that I mean, for me, it doesn't matter so much how old a player is. I think once you reach 100 Premier League games, then, then you have to go from promising player to, you know, to a fully developed player. And I suppose defenders might might have to to need a little bit longer to get that full experience, as particularly as central defenders or whatever. But I think age becomes irrelevant once you've you've played 100, 150 Premier League games. I think then you know whether you're 21 year old. I mean Wayne Rooney must have reached that that, that number of games at what 19 or whatever. Mm. And and yet you'll have players that are 24, 25 that have still only probably played 30 types of games. So I don't think the age becomes irrelevant. Uh, as I say, I think the age becomes irrelevant after a time, mate. OK, interesting. Well, just on Kane, depending if that goal is given to him and the one that we're personally appealing for, it would be 36 goals in all competitions this season, surpassing his record of 35 from last season. And also, if that goal is given to him at the weekend, it would then mean 25 Premier League goals scored in three consecutive seasons, which would mean he'd be on par with Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. That just shows you the kind of levels Kane is at. I mean, he has been simply incredible for Tottenham. But it's like I say, when you read the players' names out alongside that, that is when you actually realise the kind of player you've got and just how fantastic Kane is. And I don't, listen, go against what John says as well. I think John's spot on. I think towards the end of the season, Kane always gets stronger. And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't get given that goal at the weekend, at the weekend if he just goes along anyway and storms that golden boot. So it will be interesting to see what happens from that perspective. But... Let's have a mention then on Jan Vertonghen and Sanchez in a bit more detail. Jace, like I say, before the game, all the talk again was out of Vierold not making the squad. You just feel that he really has mentored him, hasn't he, this season, Vertonghen, alongside Sanchez? Yeah, Jan's, Jan's led by example all, all year, as we said earlier. And I think I think those two would have actually enjoyed that type of game as well. I think, you know, centre-halves... <coughs> I think they love doing the defending side of it and uh, all, the, all the credit usually goes to the forward players and so when you get that type of game where you are pushed backwards and you've got to make your blocks and you've got to win the balls in the air, I think they probably really enjoyed the game themselves and Jan at the end with, with being the only one back to defending against four, four Stoke players when Jeff pulled the ball in, he just, he just made sure he got his position right and just cleaned up as easy as anything, didn't he? But... Um, They've been exemplary all season. I think, like I said last week, I think Sanchez had a, a little wobble, partly due to us going from a flat a, a, into a flat back four from the three through Toby's injury. Then he had that sending off at Watford. But after coming back from there, 
I think he missed the Manchester City game as well, didn't he, Sanchez? Yeah. Which was the which was the tough game. And so I don't know how many games actually Sanchez has lost because he he didn't play at Manchester United either, did he? No, I think he so. He lost one game, Jess, isn't he, this season, Sanchez? Or just the one. I think yeah, it was probably game. just just the the game to the to the Woolwich, wasn't it? I think yeah. at the Emirates is the only, and he was actually our best player. Head and shoulders at the Emirates. Jason, just on that point about Sanchez, I mean, that game at Man United, the goal they scored was a long ball that Martial won in a foot race against our defence. And I was saying to myself that day, had Sanchez been playing, he might have been able to catch up with Martial mm. and that goal could have been avoided and that would have been a good point for us and it would have been us, you know, a point better off and United two worse. And at this stage of the season, that's going to be crucial if we're going to come second. It is, and I think, if I remember rightly, that goal, didn't we lose the first header to Lukaku who was completely yes. on his own? yes. And who, who missed that one? Was it Dyer, wasn't it? I think it was Dyer. Is it not Toby? Toby. It was Toby, it was wasn't Dyer, it? Dyer yeah. allowed Martial to run in behind, but, but Toby apparently would have definitely saved us against Juventus completely <laughs> switched off and allowed Lukaku to free edit. It's all with some butts, isn't it? I mean, let me ask one question, chaps. We all, all are here. We haven't mentioned him much tonight. Eric Dyer. He does seem to polarise opinion of games. And again, I say it every week on the show. I can't really work it out. John, having you on as a new guy to the show... What have you made yeah. of Eric Dyer in terms of Tottenham? I mean, you obviously watch a lot of Spurs youth. I mean, you've watched Dyer come through into this first team. A key component, you would say, that allows Pochettino to, you know, interchange with his full-backs at times. He gives him that variation. What have you made of Eric Dyer's contribution? Can you understand fans out there that can't see where he brings this Tottenham squad? Because for me, it absolutely baffles me at times, John. Yeah, what Eric Dyer gives you and the beauty of Eric Dyer is his flexibility. The fact is, we know he could slot in a centre-half. Mm defensive midfield or even right back yeah. and he give you a 7 out of 10 performance now players like that you know they're hard to come by um, you know he, he goes in he does the same job for England as well now this season there's been a few occasions where he's had a bit of sloppy passing in his game and that is something he needs to work on but that is the only error I can have from him you know apart from that he, he solidly delivers good strong performances um, he's well liked throughout the squad He's flexible to the manager. And also, even, you know, you think about the game Saturday, he dropped down to the bench. You don't hear any complaints or negativity from him. No. Um, and he's happy to go again. So I think he's a great player and great person to have around the squad. Yeah, I know I've had Jason's on opinion on it previously. Dan, let me get your thoughts on Eric Dyer. Can you understand it? Is, are you a fan of him, Dan? Are you, again, one of those that you can take him or leave him? Where are you at on Eric Dyer? Well, the problem is he plays in that sort of position that's just really unfancy, doesn't he? Um, there's a few of them that no one I likes think a lot of people... Yeah, mm. a lot, like, I mean, unless you're sort of... You know, Kante obviously gets a lot of praise for you know, playing in that sort of similar-ish position. But there's a, there's a lot of uh, defensive midfielders that maybe don't probably get the praise that they deserve for what they do that maybe we don't actually notice all the time what they are doing. I mean, to be honest, the bottom line is for me is that Pochettino seems to love him. Um, and if it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for me, really. Do you appreciate him, Dan, for what he does to this team? Absolutely, yeah. I, th I think he's... I think he's. We, you need a player like him in your squad. And I think... what what I think Wanyama's slightly better on the ball. Um... But I think Dyer gives you slightly more aggression. And I know for a fact if I was an opposition player, I don't think I'd fancy playing against him. Because mm. he doesn't give you much time. No, that is the thing, isn't it? I mean, Jay's questioning from Z-Man, who says he thought Dembele was pretty good. He says, did Rose make Son ineffective or something else? Might just be a, slip, uh, a slight dip in form. What about that questioning from Z-Man, Jace? No, I didn't think Rose, Rose really affected Sonny. I mean, Sonny seems to have had an ineffective game but if he takes one of his two one-on-ones or he takes both of yeah. them mm -hmm. we'd, we'd be sitting here saying what a fantastic game he's had but he perhaps should have scored the first one certainly when you thought just dink it over the top of, of Butland who has more or less committed himself but he obviously tries to poke it under him got saved but like I say if he'd have taken one of those chances we're not talking about Sonny having an ineffective game are we? No we're not and John question over to you Ilke underscore official asked the question isn't more fit enough yet to be given some Premier League minutes? Would you make that question, John? Like, yeah, I would like to see more given some minutes. I just think that Pochettino is adamant on this fitness issue that you must be 100% fit, not just to play Premier League football, but to play you know, to a real level above. Mm. Um, I would like to see him coming on, though. And on, another player, just before I move on, yep. uh, I'd like to see given some minutes to towards the end of the season, maybe when we've got the top four secured, is uh, one fourth. I'd like to see him come in and get his Premier League debut. Maybe against Watford at home in a sort of relaxed atmosphere sort of game. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Poch is really picking him up. And what I've seen, I'm very impressed. Mm, especially, John, if we have to bear in mind, not the kind of put... Again, it's not the put negativity on it. If Alderweireld is going to leave, then Foyth needs to get games, doesn't he? I mean, you would think he's been brought in also that one eye that this guy, hopefully, Spurs are going to develop him. And he's only going to get that experience, like you said, John, for a run of games. 
Yeah, and, and towards the end of the season, why not offer that? Look, mm. We're going to have the top four secured in a couple of weeks, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, so let's offer the boy that. Yeah, well, tell what, let's talk about that top four for a second. So at this very moment in time, following Saturday's result, we are now, I think, looking at the stats, 13 points clear of Arsenal, 10 points clear of fifth place Chelsea. Meanwhile, that point gap now, which I love about this, between Spurs and West Ham is greater than the number of points of seven Premier League clubs <laughs> this season. We are officially going to be the kings of London. Um on that point, Jace, let me come round to you. There was many pundits at the start of the season, Jace, tipping us to be, you know, lucky to be in that top six. So the question is, Jace, from all Spurs, on what day of the remaining season will we be deemed as bottling the title, Jace? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you said it, haven't we? We've still got a chance to win the title. Even if we don't manage to see it, yeah. we can still win it. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not conceding it yet. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I, I mean, I think it's... Uh, we had, let's be fair, we had our own, plenty of our own supporters after the first few games at Wembley saying we wouldn't be in the, in the top four. And we, yeah, they we were did. certainly saying it around Christmas time that, oh, we, we definitely won't do it now when it, it's looking tough. Whereas it looks now quite a stroll, doesn't it? And um, it's a real shame that Manchester United won that game because I really fancied we could still get seconds. Yes. Uh, two nil up yeah, at half-time, you know. Mm. I think City looked like they could have won it four or five nil rather than ending up losing that game but Liverpool have still got to go to Chelsea and Liverpool may well be caught up in a Champions League semi-final as well so I still fancy us to, to finish above them and the, the only date that matters to me now it's, it's not about bottling the title it's it's when is St Arsewhite day going to can't be far along the way I think it's what two wins Two, two wins to guarantee four points. Day, four, po so, four uh, points. Hopefully, City and Brighton, and, and then then we've done that. There you go. Won't be too far at all. Just going back to the to the Man United City thing, by the way, quickly. Yeah. I know you said you were, um, some people were you know not happy that Man, Man United won, but the one saving grace of that is that we don't have to give Kyle Walker a um a clap onto the pitch, and also um, they can't win the title against us, which is which is a nice thing, I suppose. Not that it really matters, but no. Um, in, terms, in terms of Arsenal. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been so bad that it's sort of not really competition this year, is it? No, no, it has been at the moment. I mean, I don't want to speak down until it's mathematically possible, so I was going to say something there, but I'm going to wait. I can't yeah. do it to myself. You know, when you've been there for so many years, I'm I'm not even going to mention it. I'll tell you what, let's talk about the Man City we game. Can't fuck this up. <laughs> I hope it's not Dan. I hope, not. I hope you're right. <laughs> let's talk about the Man City game at the weekend. It's going to be a huge, huge game. Question in here from Mark Butcher, coming over to you, John. He says, How would you approach the Man City, Man City game team wise, tactically? Yeah, tactically, I think we've got to be keen on the press. We can't give City time on the ball, especially with their centre-half, Otamendi and company. They can be got at, as can Stones if he comes in. Mm. Um, so it's just not giving City time on the ball. And it's also denying Edison the chance to eliminate our whole midfield with long goal kicks. I mean, that's killed us over at the Etihad and also when we played City in pre-season over in Nashville. Um, it's, it's been their tactic. It's using Edison to eliminate our midfield and eliminate our press. So we've got to find a way around stopping him getting those balls out to quick, pacey players like Sane and Sterling. Um, but actually, I think we'll be the ones taking this game to City. They've got a huge game midweek against Liverpool. Mm. That's going to take a lot out of them, whereas we've got a free week. I mean, that's unheard of for us in recent times, us having the free week. Um, so I imagine Potts will be drilling it into the players um, you know, to get at City early. They'll have tired legs. And it, it could be you know, like that Man United game where Ericsson scored so early. If we get that early goal, we could be in complete control. And I fancy us to win this game. Yeah, it's funny you say that about them being tired. Fraz says, come around to you, Dan, they'll be tired and a wounded animal. How do you see, Dan, their last couple of results? Does that, is that a good thing for us? Or are we, you know, can we mm. be fearful going to this one? How do you see it? I don't, it's difficult, really. They're, they're a good side. I mean, it, it depends what happens on, on Tuesday, really, uh, in their Champions League game. Am I right in thinking Fernandinho's out or someone's yes, out? Yes, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's, that's, that's good news. I think he really lynches their midfield together. But... Um, <laughs> depends if they go and win on Tuesday they might they might might have a little hangover for the Sunday or if they lose get you know get beat again and you know have their real sort of bad result in the Champions League then they might come out as like a you know like a wounded animal so it's difficult really but I think if we play our game I think well when was the last time we lost at Wembley was it Chelsea was it at home first day of the season I mean we're, we've got good record there and they you know we're going to give it to them it's going to be what is it half seven kickoff as well mm. on Saturday so yeah. I mean the atmosphere should be rocking yeah, that no, should be a good one. I mean, it's at the moment, it's his 14-game Premier League unbeaten run. I haven't lost in 2018, as we've said. The last thing to beat us was Man City. That's who we're playing next. Jay's coming over to you. I mean, like Dan has said already, we won't be able to give him that guard of honour. I mean, nor can any result win them the league at Wembley. 
you know, have a Spurs win, as we've mentioned, we could still clinch the league, Jace, by that single point. This is going to happen, Jace, isn't it? We can still do it. We definitely can. I, I think the big difference between the game up there and um, and and the one this weekend, you know, as I say, Sanchez missed that that first game, so we had Dyer and and Yan in the the back four, and we had at that time Musa Dembele was nowhere near at the seems to have the fitness of now. Winks was struggling and, and I thought we really lacked that mobility in midfield. Sanchez and Vertonghen are back. So we, we should have a lot more solidity about us that we didn't have. And of course, the other thing that we did in a really stupid way at, at the Etihad, no matter about the pressing that we did on Edison and how they were able to play around us, we gave away such a, a ridiculous goal after, what, eight minutes, wasn't it? I think yeah. it was only about eight or nine minutes in when Gundogan just walked in and got a completely oh, yeah. free header. With, with no no one near him, so you certainly can't gift a gift a goal like that to them. So I think if we can defend defend a lot better than we did on on that particular occasion, and, and as I say, I think we'll be a lot more competitive in midfield. And Yaya Toure may well come into their midfield. And, and let's be fair, Yaya doesn't have the the legs that he he used to have, and he might find the same problem against us that that Musa Dembele had up there. So I'm, mm. I'm actually quite confident. I think, you know, the last two games we have seen City look vulnerable defensively. Teams have got Otamendi and got in and behind their full-backs. And there's, I think that, that shows the way to do it. We, I think you have got to be brave. You've got to go and do the pressing. But maybe in the final press, we won't quite go and try and close Edison down and get caught between, you know, the player closing Edison and, and leaving the one that he's just pressed in the, the initial place. So we might just just hold it. At, the, at their back four rather than going all the way up to the goalkeeper but no I'm, I'm quite confident in the game now yeah I mean it's about Jason isn't it finding the right balance when it comes to that tactical press you know like you said you it can't is. go too gung-ho in terms of going right on you know Edison because you then leave yourself open a little bit at the back well exactly that's that's what you can't do and, mm. and don't forget City want you to do that like, of course in fairness we want teams to press us so that yeah. we can get through them quickly I mean that's that's the thing about pressing football, isn't it? If, if you do it right, you can fall so many errors, but the good teams will try and find a way through and they won't mind you doing it to them. I think the other thing you've got to be careful is, is what will he do with the full-backs? Because Sane, well, I was going to ask you that, Jace. Sane caused yeah, Trippier so many well, problems up there, didn't he? Yeah, what do you do then, Jace? I mean, because Aurea, if you look at the, obviously the game we've just had, you know, Aurea started, which would then maybe logically make you think, well, Trippier is going to be in line again to play against them, but... It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Ori has shown, you know, there's very clearly going to be a player in there. But we've said it all before. I know Dan, we've had Dan on the show before. I still think, obviously, next season, that will be really the true test for him. Because you have to give players a season under Pochettino. You've seen it with fullbacks before. The way he improved players over time. You know, looks of Lovren when he had him under him. Klein, Shaw. It's always the second season syndrome under Pochettino that he really kind of gets the fullbacks going. Seen it with Davis. Seen it with Rose. Seen it with Walker. What do you do, Jace, for the weekend? Do you stick and give faith to Trippier based on, obviously, the game we had at the Etihad where, let's be honest, he got torn to shreds by Sane? He did get torn to shreds, but I think part of that as well was was the fact that we didn't have that mobility in midfield, so they had the freedom in midfield and and there wasn't much protection in front of him, was there? We weren't closing down the person to make the pass out to Sane in the first place and then we left Sane one-on-one with him time and time again without getting round on the cover, so... I think we'll defend as a team a lot better. And I don't think... I mean, Sane against Trippier, he'll, he'll do him. But I think that day, he probably done him, what, 10 or 15 times. And I don't think he'll have the opportunity to do him as often uh, if, if, it, if indeed it is Trippier. But I think Rose played at the Etihad as well. He made a he did. definite... Yeah, yeah. He did, didn't he? And, yeah, he did. and Rose had hardly kicked a ball at that time. Was that his first... Premier League start. It might have been I, really Yeah, I, I think we were staggered, Jace, when he was in that lineup that day because yeah. no one really saw it coming, did they? It wasn't like he played a run of games to lead him up to such a massive game like that. It, no, it, it, it was quite surprising. So whether that was with a view of the pace of Walker and Sterling down the other side, and I think he did have a difficult afternoon, didn't he, Danny Rose? But I mean, in fairness, as I say, if, if that was his first game back, it wouldn't have been easy. But um, he certainly looked like he was worried about the pace on that day, and. We also saw Aria play against Salah at Wembley, didn't we? But then, you know, Davis and Trippier go to Anfield against Mane and, and Salah and didn't really get exposed for pace on that day. So I think, you know, if you defend properly as a team and you get in and around them in midfield so there's a lot less balls for, for Sane to get onto, then, then that's how you've got to try and handle it. 
and that's regardless of whether it's Trippier or Aurea, because Aurea might well have the pace, but he's more likely to do something really rash and, and possibly end up with a red card or giving away a daft penalty. Yeah, it's such an interesting debate, isn't it? I mean, let's bring it round to you, John. What do you see happening at the weekend in terms of the fullbacks? Do you see him sticking with Trippier and Davis, or do you think he will maybe opt for Orion Rose that bit of pace? I think he'll actually go with Trippier and Davis. I think they've played in in the biggest games this season. I'm looking at Real Madrid. Mm. I'm looking at Man Arsenal. United, Arsenal. Mm. You know, Chelsea. I think they, they Chelsea. are preferred yep. too. Chelsea. Yep. I think Rose would love to have the battle up against Walker. Yep. They are best friends off the pitch, mm. um, and they would enjoy the battle. But I just think Davis has been absolutely outstanding this season and deserves the chance. You know, to play in these big games. He waited a long time patiently the last couple of years. And now he's got in, he's not coming out. And that's testament to him and the character he is. And he gave some wonderful quotes on the website last week, the official Spurs site, mentioning the team ethos that we're in and, and, and you oh, know, the did. harmony yeah. in the squad. Great point. You know, and yeah. I really, really like that. Um, and I think he's just been brilliant this year and, and he's building his confidence. And long may it continue. Yeah. Out of interest, John, what kind of reception are you expecting Carl Walker to get back at Wembley? No, look, he should get a good reception. I, oh, look, he left uh, and that was fine, but we got 54 million for a right back. Um, he gave us what, seven, eight years top service. I mm. uh, think he won the PFA Young Player of the Year playing for us. Yeah, scored a winner against the Arsenal. Who, who you don't, you know, you love people who do that. Mm. So for, for me, we got good money for him. It's, you know, it was his choice to move on. He gave us good service. Let's give him a good reception. Okay, Dan, would you go along the lines of that? Are you expecting that kind of a similar yeah. reaction? Absolutely. Do you know what? I think with with Carl Walker, I think in about three or four years, when he comes, you know, when he's like 32, he'll probably get a really, really, really great reception. But I've got a feeling that he might get a bit of stick on a Saturday, which I, I wouldn't be one of, the, one of the persons to give him stick. But I think a few people will just because, I don't know, I think people just don't like players leaving, do they? But no. I think when all said and done, like, I mean, if you think Berbatov used to get an absolute handful of stick to me when he came, and that was a completely different situation. But I mean, he came back and played Lily's testimonial and everyone loves him now. So it's yeah. a situation, isn't it? It's an interesting one. Dan, let me ask you, I haven't had your chance to get you on the fullback query. What would you do if you're Pochettino at the weekend? Would you change it? What would um, you do? No, well, I'll go Trippier, definitely. OK. Um, just just because I don't think Norrie's very good at the moment. <laughs> um, but, I mean... I feel like Danny's going to take a lot to win you over, Norrie, isn't he? <laughs> Do you know what? No, I'll give, I'll give him his chance. I, I'm not going to knock him until... Well, I've already knocked him, but... I went, <laughs> I'm I, not going to knock you know, him, I just already have. Yeah, I'll yeah. keep knocking him too, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Then. That's good. Um, I mean, I'll give him to next season. I think I won't really start hammering him until you know next season he hasn't improved. But I mean, to be honest, I don't see what anyone really, really sees in him. To be honest, I, I, just, I don't think he's got the brain. I think maybe you can coach it into him, but I, I'm not a fan. Put it that way. I mean, he actually got through a game without giving a foul throwaway the other day, which is a start, I suppose. Slowly uh, improving, Dan. Do um, you mean slowly getting there? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I should probably give him some credit for that. Um, but I mean. I, I, I was on here, I think, uh, last November, and I was saying, as soon as Rose is fit, play Rose, play Rose, play Rose. But I, did, I also yeah. think, um, mm. yeah, yeah, Jason was uh, very play Davis, but I actually got to give it to him. I think he's probably right. I think if if, if Rose is on the same situation as Alderweireld and he's going next year, which is, seems kind of still quite likely, I think, again, I think we need to just persevere with Davis. I think Rose is a better fullback, and I think he will be um, going forward. But I think Davis hasn't really done a lot wrong. Um, and Rose hasn't been that great since he's came in, so yeah, stick with Davis, I think. Okay, and Dan, for you, the foot, the centre backs for Tong and Sanchez, you keep with those two. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, tell you what, then let's get some predictions, guys, before we wrap up. Let's go around to you, Jason. Big game at the weekend, Wembley. What are we going for, Jace? I might go two-one Tottenham. You might go two-one Tottenham. Well, you are going two-one Tottenham, Jace. Yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll go two-one Tottenham. Two-one Tottenham. Okay, John, come around to you. What are you going to go for, John? We're winning this game. We're going to win 3-1. 3-1. There you go. Not bad at all. Davidson giving us a 3-1 Spurs win. You can't ask any more than that. And Dan, follow one over to you tonight. What are you going to go for? What are you leaving us with? <sighs> God, I'm going to feel a bit negative now. I'm going to go 3-3. Three, three. What? 3-3? Three, three. Okay. High three, score three, again. Are we yeah. coming back into it, Dan? Or are, we letting, are we letting the goals go in? Nah, we're going to be 3-0 down. We're going to come up back to draw 3-0 and it's going to feel like a win. Okay. Interesting. Plenty of goals. Dan's got the yakka there. Get on Dan for the, uh, for the coupon. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. got to say, Dan, thank you so much for going back on tonight. Loved having you. Cheers, mate. Nice one, yeah. No Pleasure. Dan, I must ask you this as we've got you on the show. Anyone that doesn't know Dan, please go and check him out at Yidvids. Go and follow his YouTube channel. Dan, is there already, just a little top secret, is there any happening in the works for the um, end of season? There is. I have to ask there you. There is indeed. Yeah, there is indeed. You'll have to wait and see there. No spoilers. Okay. I want to tell you why, Dan, because admittedly, your, your YouTube um, 
montages, I listen to them all in the gym. That's a very funny thing to say, but I actually do as a source of inspiration. I do, mate. Honestly, I promise you. Not watch. Not watch. Listen to them. I've got all the audio for them. I promise you. All oh, okay, the audio. Good. Oh yeah, I sent them through to you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Well, did. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you're my you're my favourite viewer. He'll <laughs> love you all. Honestly, get on his get on his YouTube. Honestly, gotta go check out Dan's montages. They're absolutely superb. John, and if you can't be asked now, check it out on like May the 20th or something yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, hopefully, Dan, we're lifting, lifting the FA Cup as well. That'd yeah, be handy. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a nice but one. Boys, can I say one thing? Go on, John. I've actually featured in one of Dan's videos. Have you? Oh, yeah. End of season reviews at West Ham away three, four years ago. I was there, there you go. giving it the big one with the club crest towards the West Ham fans. <laughs> that's why you made it in. So that, and that's why John's on the show tonight. Nothing at all to do with him. He's been absolutely brilliant as well. John, can I say, it's been a fantastic debut. Hope we'll get you back on at some point, John. We've loved it. Lovely. Cheers, mate. Really enjoyed it. Up the Spurs. Up the Spurs. No problem at all. And Jace, thank you as always. No problem, mate. And can I just say a quick congratulations to the old Spurs poet. Oh, yes. Who got married at the weekend. Yeah, he I'm... got married to a Chelsea supporter, oh, so dear. I'm sure it was, Boo. you know, so with this ring, I the, oh, makes it three. <laughs> <laughs> we love the Spurs well, player, I hope you're listening in. Congratulations to Davey and his good lady wife there, so fantastic oh. to see that. Yeah, definitely friend of the show, I've had Davey on before, absolute top player, congratulations Davey. Um, and I'll say, on the back of a Spurs win... Our wedding, not bad at all, is it? Well, guys, listen, we are going to be back next week discussing, hopefully, a Tottenham win against Man City at Wembley. Have a great week. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for all your questions, guys. I've got to say very quickly, they'll be on the website as soon as I say, hopefully, tomorrow morning. And up the Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network.